Hi, everyone. This is John Doerr, and you are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Take a listen. What you're hearing has been recorded and being played back to you. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape reporter. Coming up, comedian Tom Papa discusses political correctness. I don't think it's crippling to comedy, but I do think it's, it's just obvious in the culture. I mean, you see on Twitter, you see on college campuses, you see with your own kids, and it comes out of a good place. I mean, it comes out of, like, let's all be nice to each other. We'll hear more from Tom Papa in just a bit. You may or may not know he's a good friend of Jerry Seinfeld's. That's how we kind of got on that subject. Uh, we have the song of the week coming up at the end of the show, of course. But first, let's start with some kind of a dumb bit. So for this week's dumb bit, I thought I'd go with everybody's favorite. It's Facebook, not Facebook. So I've got this friend from high school. We were pretty good friends, and, uh, you know, we were big Star Trek fans, and that's how I kind of got to be uh, uh, close pals in junior high and high school. But he's on Facebook, but all he does is seem to post uh, and share these memes and these uh, posts from these other really kind of, you know, hideously right-wing uh, Facebook pages. One he's uh, a fan of is called Obama's the worst president in history. That's one of the actual Facebook pages. Anyway, he uh, posted a picture that's been going around the internet. I'm sure you've seen it. It's Hillary standing in front of a banner, and this lady is wearing a T-shirt that says "I'm with stupid," and it's pointing to Hillary. And the and it's uh Hillary's so she's so conceited she can't even notice a, a an insulting T-shirt. And of course, the whole thing is bogus. You look it up, and they photoshopped the lady in there. She's actually in a different picture. But they put her, and it's a nice job, and it's actually kind of a funny picture, because, you know, it just, I'm with stupid, and always gets a laugh. So, but to, to present it as some kind of a truthful, uh, you, you know, report on, uh, on Hillary Clinton, I, I think is a little, you know, disingenuous. And so, uh, I, a lot of people are commenting below it, oh, so true, uh, that this typical Hillary, blah, blah. So I wrote, and I said, you know, it's photoshopped, right? And I put the actual picture in of the lady standing next to her without the I'm with stupid on it. And again, it's a great Photoshop job. The I'm with stupid is wrinkled just the same way the shirt is that the lady is wearing. So it's very well done uh, and hilarious on the surface again. But uh, I wrote below, you know, this is photoshopped. Here's the real picture. And still people are commenting below it. Ah, LOL. I, I, I believe that. <laughs> okay. So you're saying again, yes, yes, PF. But there's, there's probably a lot of progressive memes out there that are inaccurate as well. Well, uh, a, a distant cousin of mine uh, posted one that said that, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me, I'm using my uh, portable studio here today, is that the uh, United States was not a country founded on religion. This is apparently a line, again, paraphrasing from the Treaty of Tripoli. Uh, and it's, and I, at first I thought it was written by John Adams, one of the founding fathers. And so I looked it up and go, I wonder if this is true. Well, it turns out it is sort of true. It is in the Treaty of Tripoli. Um, but it wasn't written by John Adams, it was written by somebody else. It was ratified by the Senate, uh, at the Treaty of Tripoli was, and signed by President John Adams. But, uh, apparently, uh, well, first of all, the, the thing I found says it wasn't written by John Adams. And I went back and looked at the meme and looked closely and it says, Treaty of Tripoli signed by John Adams. So, if it wasn't correct before, somebody went back, uh, and corrected it so it was more accurate. And, uh, the thing, the, the controversy there is that, uh, it's in Article 11 of the Treaty of Tripoli, and it's in the English language version, the one approved by our Congress, so, I mean, that's good enough for me. But in the Arabic version given to whoever we were battling over there at the time, or actually who was in control of North Africa at that point, but uh, it's not in their version. 
but it doesn't matter. It's in the version signed by Congress and by the president, so it's it's there. And so just, you know, another example of, you know, when you're looking on the online and, and you see something that, that looks like it's, it's too good or too funny to be true, always remember. It's Facebook, not Factbook. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Tom Papa is a stand-up comedian and television presenter, if they say in Britain, uh, we say a TV host. Also a sometime actor, he's originally from the Garden State of New Jersey. He's a good friend of Jerry Seinfeld. We discuss all of that, and here now is our interview with Tom Papa. That was weird. That was. My phone, I think, started dialing random numbers. I thought it was at urine. I looked at my phone, and all these things were popping. <laughs> and my, it, I'm holding the phone away from my face, and it's it's just it's going crazy, but... um. I was gonna say we spoke a number of years before, I think, for Cleveland scene, and um, but never for Minneapolis city pages. Um, uh, can I ask? Oh, cool. Can we use the the audio for this on my podcast? Uh sure. Okay, great. Um, so well, I guess a, a good place to start is since we haven't spoken in a couple of years. Is uh, what's new with you? I know you're doing your podcast. I know you're, of course, coming to Minneapolis and you're uh, doing some work with Jerry Seinfeld again. So, uh, what's the latest and the greatest with you? Uh, the biggest thing happening right now is I've got this. New show on Fox called Boom. Oh, that's right. It's a crazy primetime game show that uh, I started hosting, and uh, it's running all summer. And uh, it's cool. It's kind of like a wipeout kind of crazy show where, like, the grown-ups are into it because they understand, like, these people are really trying to win money, and the kids are into it because giant cartoon bombs are exploding on grown-ups and covering them in... Nickelodeon slime. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a good mix. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's a fun show. So I've been out uh, promoting that and running around on tour and uh, trying to uh, line up my next special, which I think I'm going to do in the fall. Okay. That's cool. Um, so uh, now, as I recall from speaking in the past, and this is for the benefit of the podcast listeners, something always interested me about you was that you kind of always wanted a new, wanted to do comedy even though you went to college to do advertising. But uh, your heart was never in advertising, was it? Or was it, for a little bit? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I always I always wanted to do, I always wanted to be a comedian when I was a kid. I just wanted to be a comedian, but I had no one in my life that could show you the way or, like, how, it, it was so far out in outer space of, like, how you would even get to that spot. But then when I was in school, I started going to the theater and I started doing all that stuff. And I remember one day I went, actually drove to New York for an interview in advertising. And I met with this guy in his cubicle and he was like this tiny, miserable cubicle. And he wasn't a very happy guy. Hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, why am I, so this is it. Like, I'm going to go to school and put on a suit and beg this guy for what? Like, to become this guy <laughs> and I remember driving back to the campus and I changed out of the suit and put on my Converse and walked to the theater for rehearsal and I distinctly remember like walking across that parking lot thinking this is what I have to I have to go this way 
Yeah. I can't go. I'm not, I'm not going to go do that. It's just, it just wasn't in my nature. It just, so when I got out of school, I tried it for a little bit because, you know, you need to make some money and then but it didn't last long and quickly uh, started doing stand-up in New York. But did you have an acumen for it at least? Were you able to get, you know, uh, some stuff done in that regard or just because your heart wasn't in no, it? No. No? Yeah, it was just really, I mean, it was really just something that was, you know, helping me eat before I could get a gig. My whole thing was like, as long as I can get... If, if I can get paid doing comedy the same way what's paying me in this business world, I'll, I'll make the leap. And uh, I remember I got hired by Doer's Scotch to, like, host their, like, drinking events and, like, do stand-up in between. Oh. And it was, just, it was just enough money where it matched my, uh, my advertising and I, and I jumped ship. Oh, and then, wow. of course, I didn't think, well, that's kind of a special gig and I'm not... I'm not going to get paid for another couple months. Huh. But then you just start hustling, and uh, there was, right. yeah, you just no going back. So you were mostly a New York guy, I guess, starting out. Yeah, early. yeah. So did you tour? I'm a, I'm a New Yorker for sure. Did you tour uh, anywhere like outside of New York for a while, or did you concentrate on the city? Because I know some guys still try to tour, maybe do the Northeast, maybe break into the Midwest, and other people just concentrate. No, on anything, like... I'm, anything. I mean, you know, I've quickly found out that when you're starting out. It didn't matter. It, it, it mattered less that you were funny than if you had a car. Huh. And I remember, like, as soon as I could tell the booker, well, I, he, he's like, can I, can I get this gig out in Pennsylvania? Well, I don't know. I'll take a look at your tape. And you're like, I can drive to the headliner. Huh. Great. You've got the gig. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so how did you, uh, yeah. how did you hook up with uh, Jerry Seinfeld? You guys have been buddies for, for years and years now. Yeah, he, um, we met when he was done with his show and came to New York and started getting back to stand-up, and I was in the club knocking around, and we uh, we crossed paths and struck up a friendship, and I really always say that was like the biggest break in my career was just coming into contact with him, because you know, when you're starting out, you don't really you don't really have any, you know, to have a mentor, especially someone that works the way that you work and writes the way that you write, and it just kind of gave me like guidelines of like, oh, if I do these certain things and treat this this certain way, I could be successful. And and then of course, just being around that guy and just watching someone who's just so great and so funny, and it, it just became such a great relationship. And now it's really more of a friendship. And I think that ultimately is the greatest thing I got out of it. Yeah, it's strange too because you're not really a lot like him, but it, it's a nice fit. It, the, the, the two complement each other. So when you guys perform, uh, you know, if they see you and then him. It's not like seeing a carbon copy, but it's, it does fit very well together. It isn't, it isn't an abrupt switch. Yeah, I think it, I think it was very similar, and that's why we were able. To, I was, you know, I think I think he when he books people to go out on the road with, it's really just who can I hang out with and have a good time, ah. <laughs> you know, and I. The, I think the act fitting is probably secondary with him. But, you know, I don't get a chance to do it as much as I, I did because I've gotten so busy. But we still, like, make time to go out and do at least a gig or two a year. Just to, It's kind of like our golf weekend, you know, like when uh, you hook yeah. up with your buddies and get to get out of the house and go do your thing instead of golf and we do comedy. 
Now, have you done his show yet, The Comedian in Cars? Because I've, I've been watching it, but I've been skipping around a lot, so I don't really... I haven't been yeah, there. no, I haven't done it. He um, he got really successful, and he's going through, like, Letterman and Leno and Mel Brooks, and I think he got too big too fast. Yeah. <laughs> I think people would... They know a Tom Papa from, uh, you know, the... the uh, the the wedding the the marriage ref and now from your show on Fox and things like that and he's had you know yeah his, no, George, his old yeah. buddy George no, Wallace was on which is great yeah he's got to run out of guys eventually <laughs> exactly um so what do you make of all this uh, <laughs> the college campus political correctness thing do you think there's anything to that or is that because uh, did you ever play colleges yeah I think so I think yeah. so I don't think it's I don't think it's crippling comedy but i do think it's it's just obvious in the culture I and mean, you see on twitter you see on college campuses you see with your own kids there's definitely uh and it comes out of a good place i mean it comes out of like let's all be nice to each other but sure. it, it's kind of tipped over in certain circles where there's these i call them word traps where if you mention someone's race or someone's religion or someone's gender people they kind of like lean in, like, where are you going with this? What is this going to be? Is this going to be what are you? What are you? <laughs> you know, and they're kind of, and colleges were, were that way, you know, years ago. I think it, I think political correctness started on college campuses. And, um, it definitely is not an environment, uh, where you're just going to say anything. I think, um, I think it's definitely, I think it's definitely correct that in a lot of those situations, they, uh, you know, look, they're, they're finding themselves, especially in college, you're kind of finding yourself, you're, you're seeing injustice in the world for the first time and thinking maybe we can do something about that. And that's all cool. Yeah. Um, but when it starts to, when it starts to kind of pin in, uh, expression, uh, especially in the guise of jokes, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot, there's very few comedians out there who, have a black heart <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah comedians for the most for the most part are trying to have fun and trying to actually bring light into the world not darkness and so to pin them back and try and say you guys are being evil or something it's nine times out of ten will be off base yeah, I think it's a, a thing, too, where if you look at it, like nine times out of ten when people are offended by something like that, the first problem with it isn't so much it's even offensive on the surface. It's usually lame. And we all love, we all love, we all love Bill Maher, but Jesus Christ, I cannot take another Asian driving joke. I mean, I know it's his thing and he's trying to own it, but you, Christ, own something else. You, you, you know, you're a lot smarter than that. So, <laughs> right. That's the thing. That's exactly. A, yeah. And, uh, you know, look, the culture pushes... Hopefully, the culture is always pushing things forward and progressing. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, if you look back, even like Eddie Murphy's um, first special, yeah, it's pretty homophobic when you look at it. Yes. You know, it's like, I don't want you fags looking at my ass. And, and you know, it's like when you watch it, like, well, that would never play today. And that's probably a good thing. Right. That we're not talking like that anymore and making these people feel awful and ostracized so the culture you know moving in a direction and it's always good especially when you it's it's including more people and making people feel a little less isolated and you know there's you've kind of seen a very quick progression of uh race 
and sexuality and even like retarded. You don't nobody says retarded anymore on stage. And you know, these things are good. I think that you know, there's nothing wrong with being creating a nicer world. But look, if a comedian want has a really funny new fresh take and it yes. uses any of those words in any of those things, uh, you know, it's just total prerogative to use it. And it's also the prerogative of a college kid to call it out and say, I don't like this. Yeah. And that's fine. I was going to say, you it's, know, a, it's both, okay to both be... Sides, both sides are fine, and hopefully it'll end up in a place that's is kind of like a, a, a good natural balance. Yeah, and, it, and it's okay to be offended, you know? It's it, it When people get offended, people shouldn't get upset that people are offended. And I, uh, you know, teach a class for kids on comedy writing. I'm, I'm no expert at it. I just kind of fell into it. But I always tell my students, you know, uh-huh. the, the punchline should be greater than the setup. And if you've got a punchline that's greater than your your setup that involves something that might be a little controversial, have at it. And it was it, it was strange, too, because... Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's all good. And uh, as far as Jerry commenting on it, look, he is a... I don't, I don't know anybody who is an a greater advocate for comedy than Jerry Seinfeld. He loves comedians. He, you talk with him and you really come away with a feeling like this is a really worthy profession. This is something that we should do. So if he is uncomfortable and wants to call out certain things, uh, I would pretty much listen to what he had to say. And I think he's, I think he's correct. I think there's nothing wrong with pointing out that maybe a certain Maybe we've gone a little too far in some areas, and it's starting to hurt this comedy that I love. And uh, and then I think people kind of reacted to it, and I think both comedians and college kids probably thought about it and took, took learned a little something from it. Yeah, and the thing too is, I think had it been anybody else, you might have thought, well, but either either you told me this when we spoke years ago, or someone else that's close to Jerry said that he is such a student of comedy. That you know, this guy is studying. He under has an understanding of it that you know, not a lot of people do. Even people have been doing it as long as he has been doing it, and even longer because he has really always studied it. Yeah, always, always. I mean, it's it's, it's the you know, created the Larry created the you know the greatest TV show of all time. But I'm sure if you interviewed him, he would say that comedy is his first love. Oh yeah, and. And and he really holds it in that high regard. So when if, if if something is coming at comedy and he feels he has to defend it, it's probably it's probably justified. Yeah, it's funny you say it because I I followed him before he got the show and was a huge fan of his. And when he got the show, I was very excited. But to this day, I still think of him as a stand-up comedian first, and I think of the show second. Now you're just saying that I realize there's probably a generation of people, maybe even my wife included, uh, that would that do think of the show first. Maybe like they do with a Tim Allen. Tim yeah. Allen, I totally think of Tim Allen is a comic yeah, actor first. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's really true. So, uh, getting back to you, uh, uh, on stage these days, still talking a lot about the family and things going on in your life and all the hectic things that are happening? Yeah, I'm always talking about, you know, I, I was thinking about that the other day. It's always, family is kind of like the roots of my comedy for sure. And yeah. Not only my family, the people in my life and the people in my house, but it's also the family of the community, the the country, the culture. It all kind of has those roots in in family, and I think it's I think it's because it's universal. I don't think politically. I don't not so much on the 
topics of the day. It's more of just the life and what we're what we're living and experiencing, and that stuff interests me more than like the topical day to day stuff. And so, doing like shows like The Marriage Ref and and your own stand up for so many years, are, are you now as Jerry's kind of a student of stand up? Are you more a student of relationships and and, uh, and the way people interact? Yeah, but I think yeah, but I think all comedians kind of are keep keep an eye on that kind of stuff. I think we're very sensitive to everything around us. So you know, I would I would definitely I wouldn't say I was an expert on like husband wife relationships, but I do you know I do live it. And as a comedian, you're always observing whatever's around you. So. I probably pick apart my relationship a little bit more than like my friend who works at the bank. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm looking at like when there's a fight, part of me is fighting and part of me is laughing at the joke that's forming in front of my face. Uh, and the podcast is going well. I was listening to a few episodes uh, of that the past couple of weeks, and. Um, and is that like a slightly different vehicle for you, I guess, because it's uh, you get to talk about things and make fun of things, but not quite in the same way you do on stage. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, in in a way, I really like the podcast. It's it's I've got kind of a strange podcast that's come to pop uh, You know, there's the interviews where I interview people one on one, and then there's the ones when I'm just doing solo on my own, just ranting for an hour, and then there's the live ones that are like a Prairie Home Companion. Uh, in the hands of comedians, and all three of those aspects, they're kind of, they're all comedic, I mean, they're all kind of using the comedic tools, but they, it is, it is slightly different, and it's funny how they all kind of feed into each other, like the live show and the interviews will kind of feed into what I'm doing on these rants, and then that will sometimes, you'll you'll get a a nugget off of that, which then I can refine into stand-up. It's almost it's almost, in a way, like a writing exercise more than a broadcasting exercise. That's kind of what it seems like, yeah. Um, so the the game show will will have a summer run, and then is it any chance it'll be resurrected, perhaps picked up in the fall or come back next summer, or do you have any other projects lined up? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, it's doing pretty well, so it'd be fun to, it'd be fun to do it again. Um, you know, I like hosting, and the, the show's fun. Like, families definitely seem into it. So I'm not sure. We'll, I guess we'll find out at the end of the run if we're going to make some more, uh, which would which would definitely be cool. And then I'm going to work on my uh, my next special. Oh, that's right. And um, I'm going to hopefully shoot that in the uh, in the fall or the winter. And um, uh, Steven Soderbergh is going to executive produce it, which is pretty cool. Oh wow! Cool. So it'll be a and, lot of like, uh, intricate plot and a lot of explosions and stuff, or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, it should be, uh, yeah, it should be fun. So, but it, I'm going to tour heavily. Uh, I'm going to pretty much starting off in Minneapolis when I do the that Acme Comedy Club. That's going to like kick me off through like November, where I'm going to go heavily, really working on the act, and then cool. hopefully shoot it when I get to spit out the other end. Awesome! It'll be interesting for folks in Minneapolis to see, uh, you know, the beginning of it, and then see how it all turned out, and what you know made it, and what got tweaked. Yeah. And yeah, cool, man. Well, great. I appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah. Um, uh, this will be in print uh, uh, and online in Minneapolis the week that you are up there, of course. And, uh, and the podcast will drop in a couple of weeks. I got a lot of interviews stacked up. Uh, I took a job real far away from my house, so I had to commute an hour and a half a day. So I thought it'd be a good idea to stack up some oh, of these cool. interviews. Yeah. 
But uh, it was good talking again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you too. All right, thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Thanks again to Tom Papa for being on the show. You can catch Tom as the host of Boom over there on Fox TV. I still think that's running uh, probably past Labor Day, I'm guessing. it's uh, I don't know if it's going to go beyond the summer. I'm not exactly sure. But you can catch Tom Papa live uh, on stage at Hilarities in Cleveland. That is September 10th through the 12th. That's a great room to see a show, by the way. And then at Gotham in New York, uh, that is September 18th and 19th. He's got a couple of one-off dates uh, in Richmond, Virginia, Durham, North Carolina, and San Luis Obispo, California. Go to TomPapa.com for all of your Tom Papa needs there and find out where he's going to be near you. As, as we said in the interview, of course, he occasionally middles for his buddy Jerry Seinfeld, more just, you know, just to hang out with his pal. But uh, I think if you probably look and see when Jerry's coming to your town, you might be able to see if you can catch Tom Papa as the feature. That would be a great double bill, I think. And let me see, uh, we're going to dispense with the credits again this week because I've got a busy, busy week. I've got me a fantasy football draft coming up. I've got all kinds of craziness going on. So we're going to go right to the song of the week. And the song of the week, uh, this came out a few weeks ago, and I was trying to get a copy of it. And it uh, finally came up in iTunes. It was the uh, track of the day on BBC Radio 1 a couple of days ago. And it should certainly be the song of the week here. It is, of course, Churches. The new single is Leave a Trace. I think they're releasing a second single, actually, this week uh, to promote the album, which comes out in the middle of September. But right now, this is Churches with the song of the week. Leave a Trace on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. I